Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome in to our first off-season edition of Believe in Jaguars. I'm Jordan Lugo, joined by the one and only Clay Harbor, former Jaguars tight end. The miraculous, magical 2022 Jaguars season has come to a close. And uh, we've... We're now headed towards the offseason, as I mentioned. How about it, Clay? How are we feeling this Wednesday, January 25th? That's the Jaguars season has finally come to an end after about six months. You know, I think it's a bittersweet feeling for the Jaguars because uh, they won the division. They won a playoff game, and they are headed in the right direction. And I think they, you know, they can't be crowned the kings of the AFC South yet, but I think they're about to go on a run here. That's going to be something special for Duvall with Doug Peterson and, and Trevor Lawrence. But I rewatched this game this morning before uh, before we, we came on here. And, I mean, man, they were, it was closer than, than people give it credit for being. I think there was some plays here or there. And the Jaguars could have won. For a second. Okay. Lost you for a second, Clay. You had said um, you rewatched the game this morning. Yeah, I rewatched the game this morning and – you know, I, I feel like it was closer than a lot of people give it credit for. It wants to cut out on you right after you say that. It's doing it again, huh? It wants to cut out on you right after you say, I watched the game this morning. It's like there's a glitch in the matrix right now. I don't know what's going on. Let's try this again. Maybe I should move my spot here. But so after rewatching the game, I realized that, that you know, this game was a close game. This was a closer game than people give it credit for. And Absolutely. You know, I think the Jaguars could have pulled this one out. And there's a play here, there. And that's why it's bittersweet for me because I think, you know, they could possibly still be playing. And, uh, yeah, good season. Trevor Lawrence had a great season. We've, we, we saw some playmakers, Travis Etienne, uh, you know, some good players on defense. And there's some good things all around. But, you know, overall, I think it was a good good year for Duvall, and now we're uh, looking forward to a, to an off season that we got to bring some key pieces back. I know we're going to discuss some of those guys, and it's a year where you're kind of cash strapped. But I think there's a few moves that the Jags can do to free up some space. And Trent Balky, it was easy spending 100 million last year, but now you're 18 million down, and now you're going to have to find some bargains. You're going to have to maybe get some some guys to take a pay cut. And that's not easy. That's not the fun part. So it's going to be a tough offseason for Trent Baalke, but I think he can get the job done. And I think Doug Peterson's been in situations like this where they have to decide, okay, which guy's more important? And then you got to go and find a bargain piece that can get the job done at the position that the guy you let go. So this will be an interesting offseason yeah. for sure. It really will be. I think it's going to be one of the more fascinating off seasons around Jacksonville in a while because it's not just like fans are like, oh, we need to go on this massive spending spree or we have to hit on these draft picks to be a decent team this year. Like a lot of the groundwork is already laid here. Like the coaching staff uh, for the most part is going to be back, but uh, it's going to be Doug Peterson year two, Trevor Lawrence year two. Uh, a lot of the pieces around those guys are going to be back, obviously. So it's it's an offseason where it doesn't feel quite as dependent on the moves you're going to make this offseason for your team to have some success moving forward. But still, there's going to be some critical decisions made, no doubt about it. And we'll talk about some of those 
uh, early here on this show, just kind of like a preliminary look at some of the moves the Jaguars will have to contemplate. We're also going to talk about uh, some of the offseason awards that are already rolling in and then also some staff changes here to the Jaguar staff and, and another potential staff change. So we'll get into all that today. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in. I'd like to remind you to hit Clay up on Twitter at ClayHarbs82, myself at Jordan DeLugo, and make sure to subscribe and review to Believe in Jaguars on your uh, podcast platform of choice. You can also check us out on the GenJag YouTube channel. So without further ado, we'll start with some of these offseason accolades and awards that we've started to see move into some of the potential staff changes and then talk about that offseason primer. All right, so Doug Peterson named 101 Awards AFC Coach of the Year. 101 Awards has been around for about 40 years. Um, it's not the official NFL honors, but it is a big deal to win this type of award. AFC Coach of the Year for Doug Peterson. Yeah, big, big time. And I think it's well-deserved. Take a team that was worse in the league for two seasons and then to, to win the division and win a playoff game is, is special. I think Doug deserves to be recognized for that. You know, and, and I think that, you know, he's probably one of the two favorites for the NFL Honors Award, too. There's a couple of guys that have a case, but I think Doug's case is the best. And I know some people will say, yeah, Doug did a great job, but it wasn't just Doug. You know, they did spend $100 million and bring in a ton of free agents last year. But Doug was able to gel those guys together and make a team. You forget they started three and seven. Doug kept them together. Trevor Lawrence had a career year. After what happened with Urban Meyer, he made these guys enjoy football again. He, he helped these guys to really reach their full potential. You got career years from Evan Ingram, career years from Christian Kirk, career years from Zay Jones. Bringing in those guys didn't mean anything. Getting the most out of them did. That's what Doug Peterson did, and that's why I think he's the coach of the year. Yeah, I think he should be uh, right at the top of that list. The one that I keep coming back to that I think does have a legitimate argument against Doug is Brian Dayball. I think what he did with Daniel Jones – um, what he did with that entire organization, just kind of put his stamp on it this year, got them just as far as the Jaguars, beat the Jaguars in Jacksonville. Uh, I think that that would be the one that you could make an argument. But who was a more dangerous team at the end of the year? Who would I not have wanted to play in the playoffs? Yeah, I would have rather played the Giants than the Jaguars, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, but two great um, coaches. Yeah, they're both deserving. Yeah, I've worked with both of them. Completely different styles, too. Dable's like more of a – he's more stern, but, he, you know, he has your back. But, I mean, he's, you know, he's all about accountability, knowing what you're doing. I mean, he's, he's not going to – if you don't know your stuff, he's going to let you know about it. But, you, I mean, I love that guy. Dable's awesome dude. And Doug is obviously a very intelligent guy and, and has just a different style. He's more of, you know, he's your – teammate almost you know he's pulling for you he wants to see you do well and he's more of an encourager there and i think they're both they both work there's not one way to uh to skin it is it skin a cat yeah that's a weird saying what, what is it this? is like i hope no one's out there skinning cats right now like yeah like, <laughs> skin a cat like that it's like think, yeah. why are we skinning cats here but there's not one way to skin a cat completely insane guys i'm not skinning any cats <laughs> but both these guys are great coaches in their own right. And obviously you can see 
what they were able to do this year. And I'm happy for Dable after Joe Judge. Um, you know, the Giants needed a breath of fresh air. And Brian Dable really brought that to that organization. It did an amazing job, just like Doug Peterson did after Urban Meyer. So two guys that I don't think you can go wrong with, with giving the award. But we're Jacksonville. We're the Believe in Jaguars podcast. So if we had a vote, we don't. Our vote would go to Doug Peterson. Hey, Doug Peterson, winner of the Believe in Jaguars NFL Coach of the Year Award. How about that? That's got to count for something. That's got to count How for about something. that? Yeah. So, yeah, but awesome for him to win AFC Coach of the Year from the NFL 101 Awards. What's funny, you mentioned just now how they have, like, different coaching styles and different personalities. It's almost like direct reflections of their influences. Like Doug Peterson, Andy Reid is his main influence as a coach, right? Like yeah. one of the more laid-back coaches that uh, just kind of one of the guys more so. And then um, Brian Dayball, main influence is Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of direct reflections there. Yeah, they all learn from that. It's, it's like that guy they learn from. and. That's really who Dable is. He got all his stuff from Bill. And I remember him being in meetings, you know, Bill said this, you know, Bill said that. Bill said that. I'm like, yeah, okay, man. Like, you know, this is this is Bill. I know we're playing for the Patriots here, man. And this is Stern. But he would make you have your stuff. I'd be walking down the hall. He'd be behind me. He'd tap me on the shoulder. Like, what do you got on this play? And he would literally spout the play. I'd have to know it right then. And if I didn't, he, he would – literally be pissed off about it and i'm like dable i'm sorry man like but most of the time you know i i did have the play but he would pick the hardest things he could you got to know this stuff you don't know when you're going to be here or there and that's the type of guy I was accountability and if you didn't know something he's gonna let you know about it if you, if you messed up he's gonna let you know about it he's gonna tell you exactly who you're competing against you're not just competing against these tight ends you're competing against dev you're competing against him for snaps you're all in the same room, and obviously we all know we're kind of competing against each other, but he lays it out there. you got to go out there and compete. You know, some coaches are like, oh, we're all just trying to get better together. You know, everything will work itself out. They was like, no, nah, you guys are competing against each other to play for your livelihoods. You know, this is football. This is your job, and he's going to let you know about it, but I appreciated that about him. Yeah, sounds like him and Tom Coughlin would have had some fun together on the football field. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> funnily enough, he was prior to the 2021 off season. He was the guy I pegged as the top candidate for the Jaguars head coaching job, man. Yeah. He was, uh, he was a guy that the, the, a lot of bears fans wanted to see too. Um, before, uh, Matt Eberflus got the hire there. I think Matt Eberflus is another guy that he obviously didn't win many games, but he did a decent job. I mean, Shoot, the guy didn't have anything to work with. And you know, obviously the name of the game is winning games, but he kept the team together. You know, he kept the fan base happy. And you know, he's got he's got this team optimistic for next year, even through you know a three and fourteen season. So something to be said for that. Yeah, I think so. I think uh you certainly don't want to bury Eber Blues after the roster that he was given in 2022. Um Doug, while we mentioned he has won AFC Coach of the Year for the 101 Awards, he is also a finalist for AP NFL Coach of the Year. Final results for that will be announced February 9th at NFL Honors. Um, so we'll, we'll keep, keep our eye out to see if there's any other um, potential Jaguars that, that could be honored 
at the NFL Honors February 9th. But for now, Devin Lloyd, he has been named to the Pro Football Riders all-rookie team. Linebacker, first-round pick the Jaguars traded up for. Not the rookie year I think he hoped for, but when you look back at it, he did get off to an incredible start. Uh, the first four games of the year or so, he was forcing turnovers like crazy, making plays all over the field. I think his lack of um, lack of training camp and lack of experience kind of caught up to him midway through the season. Teams started attacking him, but he he uh, withstood you know the barrage of of uh, uh, of receivers across the middle and and you know kind of kept working his way back, getting more confident. And I think by the end of the season, he was playing at a better level again. Uh, and I'm excited about his future. Certainly, I think, is he deserving of being an, an, on the all-rookie team? I think statistically you could say he is. Probably if you watched game in and game out, you probably wouldn't say he should be up there. But it, it's a it's a good honor for Devin Lloyd, who is really talented and I think does have a bright future in Jacksonville. Yeah, I think I think everybody will say that. I think he's he's shown some good things. And I don't want to say disappointing year – towards the end of the year, just, you know, but he started off so fast that the people really were, were hopeful for something. And, you know, maybe that rookie wall hit him a little bit earlier than most, you know, being, being injured and, and not being able to play training camp, but that's a big honor for him to be just notif- noticed as a, as an all rookie team. And, you know, we had some solid rookies, obviously you got Trayvon, but uh, you know, Devin Lloyd Muma are, are some guys that, that really stepped up this year and, and played a significant amount. And obviously Luke Fortner, another guy, you know, at center was a, uh, was a big deal for him to get a lot of meaningful snaps. So the Jaguars had a nice little draft. I, none of their guys really knocked the socks off anybody, but I, I think they had some pieces there and some rookies that did, that did play and help and, you know, looking forward, you know, I think the Jaguars are going to have to find a few more pieces in the draft if, if they want to continue to build on this team. Because as far as free agency is concerned, they might be a little bit cash strapped to go out and get a big name guy. But I do think you have all the pieces in place. And obviously, I saw that uh, that article today about Trent Baalke saying that he wants to um, obviously he said, obviously, I want to bring back Evan. And I think it's mutual. They're going to work to make that happen. And he did mention um, Jawan Taylor as well. So I know we're going to get to that later in the episode yeah. here, but, uh, good, good, good deal for Devin Lloyd being noticed. I hope we have a few more guys next year from this draft class that gets noticed. And, uh, you know, does it, does it mean anything to you that Trayvon Walker didn't make the team? Is that, I know we talked about this before, but do you think that's, uh, in, you know, indicative of his performance of who he can be? No, not of who he can be. The bottom line is the expectation from year one to year two is that Trayvon Walker is going to take what he did this year, which is showed some development as a pass rusher, but not as much as you'd like. Showed that he can be a really good edge setter and run defender and playmaker overall. The next step is to develop a, a more consistent pass rush. And that's what yeah. you want to see from him in year two, bottom line. Uh, but no, I wouldn't say it's... I'm not concerned with Trayvon Walker's future. I'll say that much. Yeah, fair. Is he ever going to be a superstar um, pass rusher, pure pass rusher? I don't know. But is he going to be a good player on this football team? Yeah, I think he will be, no doubt about it. Yeah, I think he will be too. I think these guys can be able to set the edge, really um, 
do well in that in that aspect of it because he's so dang big and athletic and I don't know if he's as quick and fast twitch to be able to be a huge pass rusher I think he can but I think it might take a while yeah and I think you saw some development again when you got his hands in the dirt a little bit later in the season looked a little bit more comfortable doing that the NFL uh the rookie process makes it so difficult for rookies to hit the ground running in a lot of ways, in my opinion, because you just train for the combine and, and all these things. That's not training for football. Um, it's not the same exact training. And you go straight from Trayvon Walker for Trayvon Walker, straight from the national championship to getting into um, getting ready for the combine, getting ready for the draft. Then you're drafted. It's like, it's a whirlwind of a rookie year for, for the guys, especially the guys that are drafted early and that have played well into uh, January for their college football season. So I expect Trayvon to look a lot more comfortable in year two and play at a higher level overall. I agree. It is, and it's funny you say that because I was just thinking about that the other day about, uh, you know, because it's coming up into that time. I'm going down to uh, Mobile, Alabama on um, Monday and Tuesday. I got some buddies, my old, my old agent, a couple friends down there that I'm going to catch up with and watch some practices and, and, and just kind of hang out there and just network. And um, just going back, I went to two All-Star games. Back in the day, it was East-West Shrine game mm-hmm. and the Texas Person Nation game. Then I go to the NFL Combine, where I might add Jordan. I had I ran a four five eight forty. I had a forty inch vertical. I had thirty Listening. reps on the bench press and a ten five broad jump. Um, no big deal. All let's get Clay back out there, baby. Let's go. And uh, then from that, you're drafting. You're going straight after the draft. Three days later, you are in rookie minicamp. Yeah. There's no celebration. All right, here's a couple weeks. You know, get yourself right. You're betting right after the draft. Three days, you are flying out to your respective city and you are playing in a rookie minicamp. And then from that rookie minicamp, you're going into OTAs, which is basically another minicamp. And then after that, you get maybe three weeks off and then you're in training camp when OTAs ends. And, you know, training camp goes into the season. It is really a whirlwind for these rookies. And that's why for these rookie quarterbacks that come in and set the world afire, like these guys, these guys are incredible. They don't have that time to dive into a playbook and, and really know and feel what they're what they're running. It all happens quick. It happens fast. And if, if guys come in as a rookie and just start playing, at quarterback especially, just such a cerebral position is truly incredible. If you're a tight end, you know, you can learn the playbook where I'm supposed to be, still make some plays, a running back, okay, hand me the ball, and you kind of let your instincts take off, you know, running back's an easy play, you know, cornerback, I can see, okay, most of the time, all right, you're in zone, you're man, maybe you're in a cover two, it's not as difficult, but for a lot of these positions, man, especially quarterback, it's really hard. (laughs) Yeah, and speaking of positions, the Jaguars asked Trayvon Walker to come in and, and train almost exclusively at outside linebacker, which is what he did the least at Georgia. Yeah. And so that's another reason to kind of be like, well, what will we have in Trayvon Walker um, in year two? I think it's going to be a pretty drastic difference personally. Um, But looking at the Jaguars coaching staff, something you're always going to have to worry about when you're a successful organization, a successful football team is your coaches getting poached. Um, 
wide receiver coach Chris Jackson, which first year with the team, came here under Doug Peterson. He's moving on to the same role at the University of Texas. Uh, not sure why the move is happening. I don't, I don't know any connection to Texas that Chris Jackson has or whatever it is. I'm sure there's something. But he will be moving on. So Doug is going to have to replace the wide receiver coach here. And Jim Bob Cooter, who is a Jaguars passing game coordinator, he's interviewing for the Dolphins offensive coordinator position. So potential to have to replace him as well with the passing game coordinator. Um, obviously, that's going to impact the Jaguars offseason here a little bit, having to find those guys potentially. Definitely having to find a wide receiver coach, potentially having to find a new passing game coordinator. Um but you're hoping the staff can say mostly intact and what you really don't want to have happen is to lose a press Taylor or Mike Caldwell or Heath Farwell. Like you don't want to lose your coordinators. You can replace a position coach, but replacing a coordinator, that's a whole nother ball game. Yeah. Um, that's difficult. But I think Jim Bob's will be a big loss too. Cause he was, he's got his own offensive coordinator before he was my offensive coordinator when I was in Detroit. Yes. I also played for the lions and yes, I didn't. And yes, there are teams I did not play for. And uh, he's a, he's a smart guy too, Jim. And he's got one of the great names in football, Jim Bob Cooter. Like that's a great name. Like you just want a guy with that name on your staff, but he knows his stuff and he, he runs meetings. He's a guy that is great in the past game and he helped Trevor. You saw what Trevor Lawrence did this year. I'm not saying it was all Jim Bob Cooter. Obviously you got Doug, you got Mike McCoy, you got press Taylor, but Jim Bob is another guy that was able to be, you know, an ear and some eyes and, and throwing his two cents in meetings. A guy that's had a lot of football experience. And uh, I think that'd be a big loss for the Jaguars. So, um, you know, obviously you want to wish him the best. And if, if he wants to be an offensive coordinator, you want him to get the job, but, you know, it could be a hit for the Jags, and I think that's something they could re- recover from. Doug Peterson's a smart guy, and, and he knows a lot of people in this league from his time playing, coaching, so he could replace him with another intelligent coach. Yeah, and I think having him in year one of, of this um, regime change for Doug and for, for Trevor was huge. If you lose him, it's going to be a loss, but – I think the fact that he was here and imparted so much wisdom on that room and on Trevor Lawrence will at least be a benefit for Trevor's career, even if he does go become an offensive coordinator, which to be quite frank, he's probably deserving of being an offensive yeah. coordinator somewhere. Yeah. He's got the, I mean, he's, he's done it before and he's done it successfully. When I was in Detroit, I mean, we had a, we had a really good offense. We made the playoffs I mean, he's had success before. And honestly, I mean, I can even say that we didn't have the most weapons on our team. You know, we, we had a decent squad. Matt Stafford was our quarterback. We had Marvin Jones. You know, he knew Marvin Jones. And that's, you know, one of the reasons. Like, oh, this would be a good year for Marvin. He's got Jim Bob back. That's a nice reunion there. But uh, there wasn't much besides that out there. And he did a good job. Yeah, he really did. Now, hopefully you don't hear any other potential coaching shifts. Obviously, you want everybody to level up and, and you know, get get – bigger and better jobs, but you also want to keep the staff intact as much as you can if you're a Jaguars fan. So uh, hopefully that'll be it. Hopefully it'll be all quiet on the coaching front after those two situations uh, for the Jaguars, but they'll certainly have to get into the lab and figure out who's going to be that wide receiver coach. I know you brought up Jerry Sullivan. I don't know if he's interested in being a coach anymore, uh, but 
one of the goats, no doubt about it, in terms of being a wide receiver coach. But let's look at this offseason as we close out the show here. I think the big thing people look at is, you know, talent acquisition and departures and all that stuff. Free agency, the draft. You've got some in-house free agents. You've got some areas you'd like to improve of your roster, maybe with some um, unrestricted free agents from other teams. So there's a lot to look at here. Let's start with Evan Ingram and Jawan Taylor, uh, two guys that were critical for this offense's success in 2022 under Doug Peterson, two guys that had career years in 2022 under Doug Peterson, and two guys that are on expiring contracts. They are set to be unrestricted free agents. The Jaguars have talked about wanting both guys back. I think both guys have talked about wanting to be back. How do you view this situation with these two? Yeah, so obviously Evan Ingram and, and Jawan Taylor are my um, are my two most important uh, guys to bring back for Trent Baalke. And his work's cut out for him because there's a lot of teams out there that are looking at these guys and they're targeting these guys. Jawan Taylor gets a bad rap for not being able to pass or run block that well. I think he's a fine run blocker. I think he does a good job there. Like PFF has him graded last in run blocking or something. And I, you know, went back and watched some tape. And I mean, think this would be a big loss if if he lost him. But I think the bigger loss would be Evan Ingram, just because you see how Trevor's looking for him. I mean, in this, I tweeted this today. In the last seven games in playoffs, Evan Ingram averaged sixty six point one receptions and seventy two yards, eleven yards per catch and scored three touchdowns. I mean, bring him back. You know, this guy's obviously become one of one of Trevor's favorite targets. And I think you got to bring bring Evan back no matter what. And with Jawan Taylor, we do got a little bit of Jawan Taylor insurance with Walker Little and Cam Robinson, two guys that can play. And obviously you want a third tackle. That's good. Just in case what happened this year happens next year. But the first, the first guy, and I think Dan Arnold can play too, but he's not the same type of player as Evan Ingram. You need to bring back Evan, then Juwan, and then Arden Key, Dewan Smoot. I mean, there's a number of guys that, uh, you know, I like Jamichael Hasty, who's a restricted free agent. You know, I think you got to bring him back. So I think there's, be difficult. Guys, there's those four with Smoot, Key, Taylor, and Ingram. First two, Taylor and Ingram, then next to Key and Smoot. I would love to see return to Jacksonville. Yeah, I would too. I think any anybody who covers this team or follows this team as a fan of this team would like to see those guys back, bottom line. Also, I got to tell you, the way the hat's rocking on the head right now, it kind of looks like we got a uh... – Bro, flat top. <laughs> I love it. That's what I was going. Back to the 80s. Yeah. I think it might, this might be a good look for me. It is. Try this out. I might have to. (laughs) Love it. Um, All right. Back on track here. Evan Ingram, (laughs) Jawan Taylor, starting on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Because those guys are too – like, Dewan Smoot and Arden Key, they were critical this year. But they're more role players than true starters. Um And when you talk about the NFL these days, offense is the name of the game. You have your star quarterback, your franchise quarterback. You want to make sure you're not depleting what's around him on the offensive side of the ball year to year. You want to make sure that you're growing what he has on the offensive side of the ball from year to year. So, yeah, I think bringing back Jawan and Evan is going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. 
what will they cost? And uh, I think that's going to be the bottom line. Like the Jags are going to want them back. They're going to want to come back. But how far away are they on on the asking prices and, and what the Jaguars are willing to pay? I'm not sure. And right now, the Jaguars don't have any cap space. They're they're in the negative. They're they're going to have to make some moves here to even get to the point where they can sign Jawan or Evan or Arden or or, or uh, um, Dwan Smoot. And and I think to get there, the first thing you have to do is look at the Shaquille Griffin contract. I'm a fan of Shaquille Griffin in terms of the guy he is, the presence he is, but it simply didn't work out here in Jacksonville. And then the injury happened. It's going to be best for both sides to move on. In my opinion, Shaq Griffin maybe gets an opportunity to compete for a starting role somewhere else. The Jaguars clear some cap space. They will save $13 million against the 2023 salary cap by moving on from Shaquille Griffin. So I think that's the first place you got to look uh, to create some money for yourself. And that would get you closer to being even at the, um, uh, at the salary cap. And then there's some other, I mean, Roy Robertson Harris, he has a team out. If the Jaguars decided to move on from him, they could save about $8 million. And again, another guy, I love Roy. Yeah. But, and I love what he brings to the field. But can you afford to pay him starter money right now? No, I think uh, I think Shaq and Roy. I mean, their bags are packed, and I don't think it's obviously Shaq could have played better. But I like Roy. I think he, he, you know, he was your unsung hero this year. You know, I know you love the guy. He had a couple big plays. Yeah. He sniffed out the screen in the uh, divisional playoff round. He had a couple of other nice plays. That TFL was big though, and. You know, if you look at sports trap, which I do sometimes, I don't think they're always right as far as market value. I mean, they got market value for Evan Ingram around nine million a year, which I think he's going to probably get more. But that's what he's I getting. I actually right think now. that could be right. Well, that's what he's getting right now, and I think he outplayed on a one-year deal. A one-year deal. So you might have to sign Evan Ingram to a you know four-year, you know, ten million dollar deal, which would only be an increase in salary of a million, say. I doubt they would go for four. Yeah, maybe three. I bet they're looking at two or three, and I bet they're trying to keep it under $10 million. I think there's going to be a lot of guys, a lot of teams that are looking for a tight end that can run, man. There's just not that many good tight ends right now. So well, I hope it could be a three-year deal. If you could just keep them at the same salary, that'd be a huge win. $9 million for three years. I mean, that'd be great. But and it'd be I, a huge win because the 2023 cap hit would be pretty low at that point. Yeah. With the signing bonus you'd write. Um, yep. Now, here's the thing. I, one thing I want to say. As we get into this talk, this offseason talk and bring it back, there, as you said, there is more than one way to skin a cat. Yeah. If the Jaguars don't bring Evan Ingram back or they don't bring Jawan Taylor back or Dwan or whatever, there's more than one way to get the job done. It doesn't have to be Evan Ingram or Bust. And look, I'm not saying this to diminish Evan Ingram or Jawan Taylor or any of these guys. I love these guys. I want them here. But this is a business, and there's more than one way to get the job done in the NFL offseason. You know, Darren Waller might be set to hit free agency or, or hit the trade market. The, the Raiders look like they want to move on from some of their vets. Yeah. Would you rather pay up a little bit more for Darren Waller or pay Evan Ingram? I think that's a fair question. Evan Ingram. I think it's a fair question. Darren Waller's never played for Doug Peterson. 
I, I think you could be talking about a thousand yards and ten plus touchdowns type of year for Darren Waller under Doug Peter. A lot of targets, man. I like I like Waller. You know, I've I don't like calling people overrated, but I think he's I think he's a good player. And like you said, he hasn't played for Doug. And you got Trevor Lawrence, who's good, but I think he's a little overrated. But then you look at Evan Ingram before the season. Uh, my opinion on Evan Ingram wasn't too high either. I remember, I Nobody remember, wanted Evan Ingram. Yeah, it was guy who was dropping passes. Like I've seen some, he's just never really panned out. He had a good rookie year. Just from there, I mean, I heard his attitude wasn't great in New York, and he kind of was a, you know, a guy that wasn't a team. Everything I saw from Evan Ingram, team player, hard worker, guy blocked hard, caught passes. Trevor yeah. loved him. So I mean, that goes to show that you can't really, you know, form an opinion on some of these guys before you get to see them. And obviously you got to do your due diligence and have your, your meetings with them and watch the tape, see what they're capable of doing. But man, Evan Ingram, if you told me he was going to have this year and block as hard as he did, you know, I thought he was a guy that maybe wanted to catch passes, have, he had a few drops, but his hands were pretty dang Much good. Improved. Pretty Much dang improved. good on the stretch. And as a tight end, you know, a guy that plays a position, played the position. I think I can still play Jordan, but you know, I don't know if anybody else does. But um, <laughs> but I think he had a heck of a year. And you already saw him build that rapport with Trevor Lawrence. And you know that your quarterback likes him. He said he wants him back. Why not bring him back? And another guy that nobody talks about bringing back, maybe be a one-year deal. But he actually had he played well this year. And I know you got another – you got Calvin Ridley coming this year, but I wouldn't mind seeing Marvin Jones back for a year if you could. I mean, he's still – three years old he's going to be this year. If he, you know, if he wants to still play a year, the guy actually had a solid year. Never hear a lot of these new receivers, Evan, Evan Ingram coming in. He still made some big plays. I mean, just look at that wild card game. He made some big plays, big touchdown. I mean, this was – you know, this was – a good year for him. Yeah, I've always been a big fan of Marvin Jones. And again, if you can bring him back, I love it. Um, if you want to try to upgrade, I wouldn't mind that either. Because let's face it, Marvin Jones, from a size and physicality perspective, he's not the most physically imposing possession receiver on the planet anymore. He's just <laughs> not. Uh, you saw a couple 50-50 balls down the field that I thought maybe if that guy's 6'3", 215 with a 35 40 inch vertical maybe they're coming down with some of those passes right if they've hey, got good balls you, you want me to be back out there you say hey. but you know six hey. three over 215 40 inch vertical I don't, I don't want you to confuse me with chip kelly playing you at wide receiver oh i know yeah i don't want to be thrown in that bucket <laughs> i appreciate it no but and i also think look this tight end class in the draft, if you want to go get one in the first or second round and you want to just do it that way, you're going to be just fine doing that too. And then also, you know, one thing that Doug has done a good job of throughout his career is taking on some guys that maybe were cast offs elsewhere. You know, nobody really wanted them around at the tight end position and having them produce at a high level. Evan Ingram, case in point. Trey Burton, case in point. Uh, Brent Selleck has had some big years under Doug Peterson. There's also been some stars playing for Doug Peterson, right? Yeah. When you talk about Travis Kelsey and Zach Ertz and Goddard. But the point is, he gets the most out of his sentence. What if you could pay Hayden Hurst uh, 
What if you could pay Hayden Hurst half of what you pay Evan Ingram or even less? Yeah, that's a way you could you could put those resources into another position. And, you know, it's something you got to look at. Not You know, I have trust in Doug and hopefully that he has, you know, and I know Balky's gotten a bad rap, but he got a lot of – he got a lot of negativity for last year during during the Jaguars. He was the laughing stock of the league. But guess who got the last laugh? You know, Christian Kirk, overpay, career year. Okay, Zay Jones, overpay, career year. Evan Ingram, overpay, career year. Uh, Foye Luikin, overpay, career year, leader of your defense. Folo Fadakasi, solid year. I mean, all these guys that he paid and people thought that he was overpaying for, I mean, Brandon Sheriff didn't have a perfect year, and I know he got the bank. You know, he got the he got it all. But I think he had a solid year. So Trent Balky, you know, looking back at this class, like last year's class, I think he did a good job. So he's got to come back and he's got to do it again now, this time with not near as much money. You can't just win bidding wars to, to, to get Christian Kirk here. You, you did a good job of saying, hey, I like this guy. But now you're going to have to find maybe that second tier guy that can do that. And you're not going to be able to win the bidding war. Yeah. Now, one thing Trent Baalke talked about yesterday, which I completely agree with him here. It's more about cash than cap. And what that means is it's about what your owner is willing to spend more than it is about the salary cap. The salary cap does exist, but it is easy to maneuver and manipulate. Uh, all you have to do is yeah. Yeah, um, signing bonuses, and, and there's various different other things you can do as well. Um to mitigate year one cap hits and create space. Uh, and I think the Jaguars will do that. Shad Khan, you can say he's – and he has. He missed on a lot of the coaching hires that he's had throughout his you know, time as the Jaguars owner. But he has never been unwilling to spend on players. And that's one thing that gives the Jaguars an advantage. And normally you'd look at small market teams and you're like, oh, their owner, he's not going to want to be a big spender. That's not the case in Jacksonville. Shad Khan, say what you want about him. He has always been willing to write the big signing bonuses and the big checks to get and keep players in Jacksonville. And that does give the Jaguars an advantage throughout the offseason. And so the ways that you can kind of maneuver some of this is restructuring a guy like Christian Kirk and kicking some of that cash down the road with a big signing bonus, uh, different things like that. So I think that Trent Baalke will have He'll have enough maneuverability to, I think, probably bring back who he wants to bring back at the right price, but also maybe add one big uh, outside free agent. If I was Shad Khan and had $12, 13000000000 billion, I wouldn't mind either. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm with you. If I was a Jaguars owner and I was a billionaire, I'd be spending money like it was nothing. Spending money right and left. You know, Shad yeah. Khan, $13 billion. Uh, you know, the latest like Forbes, you know, billionaires thing, whatever. But he he really has done a good job of of spending the money and really wanting to do what he can to uh, to make this team a winner. So I, I give him props for that as well. Good work, Shot. Um, you know, if you ever need, uh, you know, someone to, uh, you know, consult or anything like that, put me on uh, payroll, bro. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Since he's spending so much money, he needs to invest and believe in Jaguars, man. 
you know, maybe uh, maybe get us in a bigger a bigger market here, a bigger stage. I don't know. We'll, we'll, I'll hit up shot. Yeah, we can pitch it out on the practice field during training camp. Yeah, I'm let's there. get it. Let's do it. I'm with you. <laughs> um, we mentioned Arden Key and Dewan Smoot. These are two guys that are rotational pass rushers that were really impactful for the Jaguars this year. And quite frankly, I think without them, they don't make the playoffs. It's fair. Uh, they're both unrestricted free agents. I think if you're going to keep – I think that you probably can only keep one if the Jaguars even want to try to keep one of them. I just don't see how you pay both of them. Yeah, I don't think you can. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. I honestly wouldn't even be surprised if instead of trying to bring both of them or one of them back, they try to upgrade and bring in someone who's less rotational and more impact. I think there's some interior defensive linemen that could potentially hit the open market that are really good interior pass rushers that might be able to be that kind of like the one splash move the Jaguars make this off season in terms of outside free agents. Talk about Javon Hargrave from Philly. Uh, talk about Deron Payne from Washington, David Onyemata from New Orleans. Those are three guys I'm going to be keeping my eye on, see what their contract situations, how they play out. But I think uh, if you brought in a real stud interior pass rusher, that could really, really elevate Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker and the rest of the guys. One player, man, one more pass rusher. And I know they do – Smoot, Smoot and Key are great, but the thing that makes these, these D-lines like Philadelphia special is that all of them are good. I'm not saying they're all great. You know, Hassan Reddick didn't just all of a sudden turn into this crazy player that has 16 sacks after having 10. But when you can't double-team one guy, that makes it a lot different. When yeah. you're an offensive line and a tight end, and trust me, I know, you're looking at these, okay, who can we double team? We're going to have our eyes on, you know, for us it was always J.J. Watt when we are playing the Texans. And then, you know, when Clowney started playing, that made them very, very difficult because it's a tight end, offensive line unit. Okay, who are we chipping? Who are we going to put our attention to? And now when you have two guys, three guys, and you put a guy in the interior, oh, man, that's when the D-line becomes Philadelphia Eagles-type D-line. Hargraves in the interior, Fletcher Cox inside now, Brandon Graham's having a good year on the outside, Hassan Reddick on the other outside. A lot of these guys aren't even big-name guys. They're, they're just guys that are good. Javon Hargraves, obviously, we're saying. They're just guys that are good, and now they're getting one-on-one -on -one blocks, and they're winning them. Yeah. And I think that's what the Jaguars need to try to emulate. I mean, when Doug Peterson won the Super Bowl in 17, that defensive front was loaded. Yeah. Again, with good players, not necessarily a ton of great players, but each one of them could win one-on-ones. Yeah. When you have that situation, it makes life hell for offenses. Yeah. So that's kind of our early look at this Jaguars offseason, kind of some of the things they're going to have to do, which, again, they're going to have to restructure some contracts. They're going to have to trim some fat, some, some salaries that just uh, – some contracts that just don't make sense. And they're going to have to try to bring back some of their own. And – and doing all that, they're going to try to have to improve for 2023 and get further than they did in 2022. So it's going to be a really fun offseason. I can't wait for it. You know what we got to hit them with before we get out of here, though, Clay. 
One last time for the heck of a season. Let's hear it for <laughs> Awesome stuff. It's been a pleasure uh, doing this show with you, you here, Clay, this year. And um, looking forward to this offseason, continuing to talk about the Jags. And I'll be uh, really thankful. I'll, I'll make sure to bring in my top 10 risers and fallers. You know, from, What's that? Uh, the Senior Bowl. I'll be at the Senior Bowl. Oh, this yeah. Week. Yeah, Thanks we're going to have to. We're going to have to get you to uh, try to get some interviews or something out there, some of these young players. But uh, I have my credentials for the Senior Bowl, but not sure if I'm going to make it out there. A lot going on in the personal life, as you know right now, Clay. Yeah, uh, big congrats to Jordan, man. Got one on the way, man. He's got a a baby on the way. I don't know if you want to make that public. Well, now it is. It is. It is. We've got one in the oven, the first one. So. Exciting stuff here. Not sure I'll be able to make it out to Mobile. But regardless, the Senior Bowl is going to be a lot of fun. And Senior Bowl practices are next week. Can't wait for that. I'm excited you're going to be down there um, as our Believe in Jaguars correspondent. Love it. Good stuff. Thank you so much for tuning in, Duval. Thanks for watching this year and being with us and and just taking in the content. We couldn't be doing this without y'all. Again, I'd like to remind you to follow Clay on Twitter, at ClayHarbs82, myself at Jordan DeLugo, and of course, review and subscribe to Believe in Jaguars on your podcast platform of choice. Check us out on the GinJag YouTube channel. Thanks so much for tuning in, Duval. Have a great rest of your Wednesday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.